This is really about being free to create what you want your life to look like. We each are our own hero. And how do we take the challenges that come our way and see those as the birth process of us becoming heroic? Can you meet that judgment that ultimately will surface with neutrality? This is the Wall Street Coach Podcast with Kim Ann Curtin. Welcome back, everybody, to the Wall Street Coach Podcast with me, Kim Ann Curtin, and Lucas Peterson. How are you doing today, Lucas? I'm doing great. It's uh, it's wild times right now, but wild it's great. times. Yeah. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm a little little, little uh, nutty today. There was uh, two podcast recordings before this one, so I'm, I'm all podcasted out. <laughs> well, but good. yesterday we did a live Instagram live. Uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna do that on Tuesdays and Thursdays at market close, 4:30 Eastern. Uh, and we had, you know, a good 30 people in the room. I think Stephen Johnson came in for a little bit. Uh, Liz Lee came in for a little bit. Some, you know trader friends uh, that were showing up. So I'm excited about that. That's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to do speed coaching, by the way, for everybody who's hearing about these two. They're going to be quick sessions. But, you know, I did some speed coaching for Liz yesterday, and she's written me since saying, you know, she's going to run with it. So please yeah. come along for the ride. I hope everybody will come along for the ride. Yeah. And in, uh, in, in that, I, I, I tuned in and um, the advice, like you seem to like blow Liz's mind with the idea of like, if you saw a dog, you wouldn't call it a bird or vice versa. I don't remember, <laughs> yeah, but that was like, right. Bird. And it is. You it's, never, you have, it, you that's like a, bird a, dog. a fundamental part about trading that we forget is yeah. don't trade what you think is going to happen. Just trade what you see. Right. And correct. Like, correct. Uh, especially with exactly. your on a short time period, like you can look into fundamentals, but if you're just trading, like if you're just scalping and trading, uh, day trading, like you can just go technical most of the time and you're going to be all right and just exactly. obey your stops. So. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I learned that quote from uh, Raphael Kushner, the man who taught me emotional connection. Yeah. And he said, you know, that is what's happening most of the time. You know, we, on one hand, we hear that crazy statement, which you, you never look at a bird and say that bird should be a dog. And that sounds crazy. And yet we do it every day, all day long with that anything like that guy shouldn't have cut me off to that trade should have worked to uh, I want, you know, I want to have uh, a different experience with a human being. Like yeah. it's just us constantly being in resistance to what is so. And, and the more we resist, what's the famous saying? What resists, what we resist persists. Mm -hmm. So it's learning how to not be in that resistance to, be able to handle the resistance you see on your trading screen. Yeah. <laughs> this is something um, we uh, kind of buried the lead, but uh, we're supposed to have uh, yes. JJ VWAP Trader 1 on this mm. afternoon. We um, are. be in the second half of this episode. Um, that's right. But that's something that we'll, we'll have to talk to him about is resistance yeah. and what that looks like and what it's been the past couple of weeks with the yeah. uh, Wall Street bets versus the hedge funds versus uh, like yeah. the people jumping in and who, who knows what exactly. people are doing and for what reason. So I'm interested exactly. to get his take on that. I'm interested too. And, you know, very fortunate to uh, have a great uh, relationship with JJ. And so he did a steady trade, stocks trade podcast today. And then kind of at the last minute, I was like, you know, I'm recording my podcast today too. 
Would you come on? And he was like, yes. So, but he's got a lot going on today. So hopefully he can make it in for a few minutes. Um, But, you know, it was really interesting to just uh, be able to start to understand what has happened with uh, GameStop, what has happened with Robinhood, what uh, is going down now with Wall Street Bets. And I think having somebody who has been a former market maker help us understand it because it's com it's it's it, what we're seeing feels complicated it's complicated to me because i'm obviously at the start of my baby trading journey but it's certainly even some of the things he spoke about today it's complicated for sophisticated traders because he's been sitting on another side of the table for a very long time so yeah. and i think that's a that's a big thing that uh, people are not talking about right now is how this complication of, of what is happening and why things are happening with these stocks and everybody's aware of it and everyone knows what a short squeeze is now. Yeah. And that, yeah. you know, unless you were either in the market or uh, watched the one episode of Billions where they talk about That's it. That's right. Most people probably have no idea what have that no means. no idea, totally. Um, Totally. Now, and, I, and I'm sure some people watching us don't have any idea. I mean, I think yeah. we have an eclectic group of people that watch our podcast, uh, you know, and certainly some of them are very sophisticated traders and some of them are new traders and some of them are non-traders at all that are probably yeah. now for the first time in their life thinking, am I missing out on all the action? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if you look at I it, do? I mean, if you look back at, uh, you know, the past couple of weeks and you, you look at what happened with GameStop and you're like, man, if I'd only bought, you know, uh, totally. 10 shares at, at 20 bucks, like 200 bucks. That's nothing. And then it would have gone to, you know, multiple thousands. That's, yep. but that's a huge, that's a huge FOMO that, and that Correct. never, this never happens. I mean, well, it Correct. does, but it, I it saw does. something online that but. was the like odds of the, of a short squeeze like that happening. Like these parabolic moves are like one in like 13 billion or something like that. And then they all happened in one week. <laughs> like wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> what, what, where is GameStop? I looked a little while ago. It was like at 110. Yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of trending around a uh, hundred today. Um, kind okay. of back and forth chopping. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. But it, I mean, it slid from the open. I think it opened around, you know, 120 ish. I'm not, I'm not even sure, but yeah. And yeah. it's kind of just reclaimed a bit, but it seems to just be, it seems to just be kind of chopping and sliding every day. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I just watched it over. yesterday. Just, just keep dropping and dropping and dropping. <laughs> yeah. and just, it was just fascinating to watch it. And, uh, fascinating. The whole experience is fascinating. And, you know, I, I just want to speak to, uh, you know, my frustration just as a capitalist, a conscious capitalist, you know, I was very, very disappointed when I saw Vlad's interview uh, was it on CNBC. You know, I, I just, I just guess I want to speak to that. If you don't have any sort of empathy for your own customer base, I don't believe you should be uh, a CEO of a company. Like that was the, you know, so I saw him on two things, Vlad. I saw him do that CNBC interview where he just really just spoke in circles, did not really say anything. And then I saw uh, him basically get interviewed by Elon Musk on Clubhouse. I was on Clubhouse that night. And uh, the night was like, what, three nights ago, four nights ago, Elon Musk was in a club room, which was unbelievable to just listen to Elon Musk, you know, shoot the shit, so to speak. And then he brings in um, 
flat at some point. And, you know, you got Elon Musk coaching him on trying to like how he should explain himself and the kid still can't do it. And the kid has spent most of his time uh, basically uh, saying, oh, well, I was sleeping when the call came and hey, my, uh, our, our, our platform is number one on app in the app store. And I'm like, are you kidding me, dude? How can you be completely non-apologetic, not empathetic, not at all taking any responsibility? Um, yeah. 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 That's, it was, uh, it was pretty shocking. I mean, a lot of people, he got a lot of flack for, for that. And I think in my opinion, kind of rightfully so it was, uh, you know, I, it seems like the more information that's coming out is that there was an issue with the clearing. Um, and that's, you know, in some ways out of Robin Hood's hands. But if if he could have just explained what was happening, if he knew what was happening and just said, you know, like, just be forthright with people, be yeah. honest, like people want honesty. They don't, they don't they want do. They to, do. to be they just, given the run around. Even if, you know, you ran out of liquidity. Like, just yeah. say that. Like, just own it. Like, you know, Brene Brown has a great quote in one of her talks. She's like, this isn't our first rodeo, people. <laughs> like, <laughs> shit happens. Like, just own it and yeah. say, I'm sorry. I'll fix it. This should never have happened. We will never let this happen again. And that is has not been done by him nor anybody else. Yeah. Nor anybody else. And, I, and I'm just outraged that... Um, I'm just outraged, I think, more than anything, that he, the company is just you know, being given so much more money and is becoming even more popular now because, of yeah. course, people, third person, are hearing about it. They don't even understand the, the variables of what they're getting themselves into. But just the fact that he is not holding even himself accountable and that his own shareholders aren't holding him accountable. It, it outreaches me. It outreaches me when there's somebody like, you know, Dan Price, who runs Gravity Payments, who has shown us what conscious capitalism looks like when he reduced his own pay to make sure that all his employees were going to be, uh, you know, brought up to a, a living wage, which was 70000 a year. And that, to me, is like, that is what capitalism is about. That's what Adam Smith spoke about, our moral obligation, uh, you know, beyond uh, the, to those less fortunate, so to speak. And I, I'm, just, I'm just kind of like horrified, you know, it, and Robert Monks, I can't help but think of him. He's featured in my book. He's one of the first really vocal active shareholder activists. Like shareholders have a fiduciary responsibility and they should be holding CEOs that run companies like this, their feet to the fire and be like, this is bullshit. You don't get to do this to our customers. It's just, oh, I could just spit. I'm so <laughs> mad. So yeah. mad, so mad that because I'm seeing all the human beings who were not able to use that platform as they expected to. And I get that the you know, Wall Street changes, uh, changes things on people all the time, which is totally not cool either. But still, this is a company that's, you know, I don't know. So I'll yeah. be quiet now, but I'm pretty pissed. <laughs> no, yeah, I think it's fair. Uh, it's 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 like you're playing a game, and then all of a sudden you're in the middle of the game, and because one team is losing, they come out at halftime and they're like, "Well, now we're changing the rules to the game, and every Correct. you know touchdown you score counts for two points, and every touchdown they score counts for seven points." So, so it's yeah, yeah it was a little. Oh, frustrating. and by the way, oh. you can't even play 
uh, the game anymore. Yeah, for, yeah, you only get to play with uh, three I don't players. Know, Forty-eight hours, <laughs> however long it lasted, thirty-six hours. Yeah. you get to only do this, but you don't get to do any of that. It's like, what yeah. the hell? Yeah, that what was the hell. That was tough, but I, I mean, I know I I know people who made some good trades on it, but I I'm a f- I my biggest concern was for the people who don't necess- didn't necessarily know what they were getting into, um, you know, and maybe put in you know, thousands of dollars, just watching it go up uh, days yeah. in a row and assuming yep. and hearing what a short squeeze was and then, and then not being able to do anything except for exactly. sell their position for a loss. And that's exactly, that's tough. And that just sucks. It just yeah. sucks. Today we had a specific topic. Let's see here. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about like being careful about mentors. Um, yeah. Around the information that you're getting and uh, qualifying that information. Yeah. A little bit yeah. different than what we talked about last week, which was around, um, you know, how to find the correct mentor, but this is right. more around qualifying the information, maybe back testing your information. Yeah. Um, I know yeah. a lot of successful traders who back test, um, new theories that they're trying. Uh, and so that's always in my, in my opinion, there's no reason not to, uh, yeah. Check it out, see where it'll work, see where it will fail and try to discern what the reasons those things happen are. Yeah, makes sense, makes sense. And I, and I think especially now with the craziness of this market, uh, you really more than ever have to because, because you have to bake into the recipe the fact that the game, the rules of the game could change at any time. And, you know, in the last episode we recorded with JJ, he spoke to, oh, it actually was Turning, Turning Duff. We, I got to interview him this morning. He's the author of the book, The Buy Side. I read that book in two sittings, people. It was riveting. Uh, I just could not put it down. He's such a good storyteller. He's also uh, been a consultant and uh, helped write for billions. Um, he worked on Wall Street about 15 years, kind of during the height of the craziness. I think he was in there in 97 uh, or 96 and in there for a long time. And he has so many stories in that book. Can't say enough good things about it. Um, and it got to meet Tony this morning. And one of the things he said is, you have to prepare for where you know things are going to go pear-shaped financially as a trader, as a human being. Like he was using the example, if you meet 10 people, he's like, you know, maybe eight of them are like, you know, not here nor there. And one of them becomes your best friend for life and the other two screw, try to screw you. He's like- yeah. So what? You got a best friend for life, like, and you got a bunch of people that didn't show up in the radar. And yes, somebody tried to screw you, but like, plan for that. Plan for the rules being changed. Plan for being screwed. And if you bake that into the recipe right from the get-go, you potentially protect yourself. And I, I thought that was re- I've never heard of that advice before. I never heard a lot of advice, and I was <laughs> like, I really like that. I really like that. So. Yeah. That reminds me of a, a pretty practical, I was listening to a, a podcast with uh, Tom Canfield. He's a trader. Mm. Um, and he, he was talking about uh, with some other traders and they were talking about how like ways to add to a portfolio. Um, mm-hmm. He's, he's more of a day trader, which in, in a lot of ways, uh, you know, is safer sometimes because then, then you can protect your account e- easier, easier. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, the, these other guys were talking about how to add to our portfolio and like the ways that they do it. And it's kind of the same way where it's like you might take 10 positions, but then you just 
start adding to your, your, your winners, you know, and you, so if it hits that hits, theirs was like, um, uh, I think they had a benchmark of it 20% and then you watch it. And if it gets to like 25, then you add in, um, and you just start cutting the others as they, as they start failing. So, and then, and then, you know, and you just keep doing that over and over again. And by the end you have a bunch of winners and then as they start failing, then you, you're topping out, then you are just rehashing it all the time. That that's a brilliant. Is it, it is exactly that same kind of concept. Yeah, and it, 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 it makes a lot of sense. I like the idea of transferring that uh, into your personal life as well. Yeah, um, around friends or yeah. even just like thoughts and thought patterns, emotions. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Just, the other thing that Tony said that was really very powerful, and I think he spoke about a mentor telling him, suggesting this to him. He said that. Ultimately, at all times, you want to have a coach, he said, you know, someone like myself in your life, he said, and you also want to have a peer, somebody who's kind of at your level, but you also always want to have in your life somebody that is kind of uh, developmentally a little bit behind you, who you are pulling up. Mm -hmm. He said, because in that, he said, and that's the place most people uh, that fall apart. They don't do that. He said, and part of what that does is it keeps you fresh. It keeps you on your game with the fundamentals. And here is JJ. I'm so happy he's joining us. Perfect. And I thought that was great advice. Wasn't that good advice? Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Aloha, JJ. Aloha. How you doing? (laughs) Hey, JJ. Hey, how are you? Great. Thanks for coming on. You're not going to have too much of me today, JJ. You're not going to be sick of Kim Ann Curtin at the end of today. Yeah. I, might, I might just move back to Hawaii. Yeah, I think oh. you should. I think you should. We'll save, we'll save all the time difference and everything. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so, la- ladies and gentlemen, this is JJ Gorilla. Uh, amazing, amazing market maker. A former market maker. Now he's helping day traders, of course. Thank you. God, it's, he's he's had he's had a he's had a coming to Jesus moment, you could say, uh, and he also is a former nightclub bouncer, which to me is like the most incredible position anybody could ever have because you oh, must, you saw it, you saw it on both ends, right? Oh, Everything. Yeah, also known as Gorilla. Kids do it. Don't let the kids do it. Known as the Gorilla of House Street, you can find him on Twitter at VWAP Trader One and. Uh, he also is a co-host of Confessions of a Market Maker, and he is also the mentor for retail traders in uh, microfuture.com. Uh, one of the things that's fascinating about JJ is that he actually uh, survived a heart attack, experienced what it was like to not be alive, came back, and now he says he grew a conscience, and that is what he's doing now. It's his redemption tour for day traders. So thank you, JJ, for being here. My pleasure, my pleasure. And JJ hides his face so, you know, he doesn't have to worry about anybody being maybe too mad at him for telling the secrets behind the scenes. <laughs> well, yeah, I still have clients that are still alive and um, and would rather, I mean, I do get sometimes they call me up and, hey, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and, what, and what do you say? Yeah, what's that like? I, I try to teach people. They're like, why don't you come back to work? Like, what are you doing farting around over there? <laughs> right? We, we got paper to move, yeah. right? I'll give you yeah. 2 million shares of this, 5 million shares of this, 3 million. Like, we need you because honestly, wow. there are not that many people left who do what I do. 
I bet, JJ. I bet. So do you ever get tempted? Do you ever get tempted? Uh, no, because you know what? Um, I have my life. I have been through so much. Um, and the stress of being on that other side, sure. You know what? It's really nice to make 20 million in a day, 50 million in a day, a hundred million in a day. Um, you know, that's, that's nice to do, but the stress that comes from when things go wrong are just, it's, it's scary because you've, you know, you've got people, uh, you know, you've got people's careers on the line. You've got, uh, you know, uh, the money and the, the things people do, you know, you put $10 million on the table, it belongs to the person who picks it up. That's how Wall Street yeah. thinks. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and people will do some pretty ugly things for 50 million bucks. Yeah. Right. And to, to, and to witness that over and over again, I, I imagine yeah. it's just demoralizing too, just to mankind, like having, you know, faith in mankind, I imagine gets kind of pulverized a bit. And you, having, you know, yeah, you're right. And, and you know what? I, and I shouldn't complain because I love the industry. But the, the deal side of it is is just too much stress, especially for my health. Yeah. And you know what? I, I like I like trading now on the retail thing after having a heart attack and a quintuple bypass. Um, I find date I find, you know, retail trading it's relaxing. Yeah. Right. I'm not yelling at anybody. <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to educate some lawyer that I'm paying three grand an hour on what a clearing firm is. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's just it's so much more. Um, it's laid back, and I get to talk to normal people. You know. Yeah. Uh, which is nice for a change. Yes. Know? Yes. Uh, yeah. I you know? <laughs> I could see that. I could see that. So so you know we have a bit of an eclectic uh, audience on our podcast here, JJ. We definitely have okay. some sophisticated traders, and we have some beginner traders, and we also have people who've never traded, and who undoubtedly after these last week and a half, two weeks, are thinking maybe I should be trading. So I think <laughs> I think we I got throw a little some money bit in of, there. <laughs> we, got, we got a little uh, bit of everybody watching us here. So so JJ, do you want to? Would you be willing to give us kind of like you know the layman's uh, interpretation? interpretation of what you saw went down with GME and uh, with Robin Hood and the wild ride. It, it, it has been, is still Wall Street bets. Yeah. Funny, you know, give it, give it to us. Like yeah. uh, we're yeah, not that see. sophisticated. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, th there are times in history of, of the financial markets where very interesting things happen. And last week was one of them. Mm -hmm. In one way, I'm glad that the kids broke the system because it needed to be broken because mm -hmm. the brokerage industry treats its retail clients very poorly. And, um, you know, we were discussing this. Uh, if you own stock in your account in 2021, the technology should exist that you should be able to execute and get out of your trade. Yeah. Right. Uh, apps freezing and shutting down that sort of thing. All that sort of stuff is so 1999. It's almost as bad as in before when brokers, you know what, when it got too busy and they didn't want to get the stress that brokers wouldn't pick up their phones, right? So it's the same thing. It's the same business model. It's more sophisticated. But I, I think it's like, you know, what is this, uh, you know, a mob Sopranos boiler room where people are, are not allowed to sell their positions. I understand not letting them buy because you don't have enough supply to fill their orders. That's one mm. thing. Mm. Um, and then, you know, all this double talk about everything. 
you know, the guy from, you know, robbing the hood should come out <laughs> and say, you know, why doesn't he just say, <laughs> you know, why doesn't he just say, excuse my language, we fucked up yeah. and totally. we screwed up. We weren't ready for this. We didn't think, you know, the order flow overwhelmed our systems. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have the capital on hand. Our clearing yeah. firm freaked out. Tell the people the truth. It's it's not, you know, it's it's clearly obvious to anybody who's worked in the industry. Like, so now you come up and tell them, well, you know, there was a pink elephant and then the snuffleupagus came. And, <laughs> and, and oh, I was sleeping. On. And yeah, I was sleeping. And, and I was sleeping. What the right? hell? You know, yeah. Yeah, we were, uh, we were actually just talking about this, JJ, right before you got on, and we basically said the same thing. Just tell us the truth. We don't, just tell us we don't care, but we can see what's going on. Yeah. Just, yeah. just be straight with people. Just be straight with people. You know, people, it's not 1980 where you have to do the fancy, you know, uh, fleece the people with the fast sales pitch. Yeah. yeah. You know, As people, if he even had that. He's so uncommunicative. I yeah. couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my God, this guy looks like he wouldn't succeed at a debate class in high school. Like, what the hell? How did this guy get all this money, raise all this money, JJ? You know what? I, I'm telling you, you look at some of the guys, look at that freak from you, uh, WeWork, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, my God, look at that woman who put on a black turtleneck and raised money on a fake Good blood point. test. Good point. Good point. What's that called? Right? Yeah, that was Theranos. Theranos. Yeah, thanks. You know, yeah. Good look at point, the, 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 When you have yeah. this amount of cheap money in the system, right, people will fund you. The other thing is they're funding these companies with OPM, right? In the old days, Goldman Sachs was a partnership run by mm. 30 old greedy men right or even muriel siebert the very first Mm. woman on wall street she probably counted paper clips because they were fiscally responsible because it was their money on the line now you take these companies like goldman and all these things are public so they're using other people's money so they don't care what they invested in yeah right they don't care they're like yeah i'll buy 10 of that 20 of that 30 of that it's not my dough i still get my my management fee Yes. Right. Oh God. Not, it's not healthy. It's not healthy, not healthy for business, not healthy for other entrepreneurs who are up to good things. It's just, yeah. I wonder JJ, um, this is a question I've, I've been thinking about all week is like, what, what's going on on the, on the other side when all these retailers, what's the mindset of, of the people on the other side when the wall street bets are coming in and they're like, we're going to buy and we don't care if we lose money. We just mm-hmm. want to run the price up as much as possible to screw as many people as possible. Like what's, so, what's happening there? So what we think is lunch, <laughs> right? Because see uh, my whole job, my whole career was say you and Kim um, and another friend of yours, three people took us company public and you each had 50 million shares. My job was to, create a market for you to sell those shares into, right? So create the liquidity that you could sell size into and get out of your investment, right? So when I see something that happened, that is, that is somebody who creates markets. That's like their wet dream, right? Mm-hmm. Because my whole thing was 20 years ago, I wanted to develop back in the old days when I was evil, I wanted to develop this liquidity machine that you know it would cost very little to bring buying into a deal and i was trying to tell 
my very, very, um, you know, short time frame, very short term greedy guys that look, if we build this, we would have what happened last week where you sell, if you have like, if you just think, if you sell 5 million people, 100 shares of stock at five bucks or at a buck, do the math. Yeah. Look at how much, how much dollar volume that is. Right. And they'd be like, well, I don't want, you know, 5 million people to buy. If, if you know, 5 million people buying 10 shares at five bucks, right. And you're the seller, right. That is beautiful liquidity to sell into. And somebody obviously on this GME has been unloading dump trucks full of stock into the market. Otherwise the stock would be a thousand dollars bid. Yeah. Instead of uh, where did it close at today? You know, 89 bucks. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so explain that. So that is, that's gotta be then GME itself. Um, or the Where people else could be coming from? It, the people who financed it. Okay. Wow. Right. Now this is a company in bankruptcy. They filed a, um, some sort of prospectus. Um, what did they file? They filed a prospectus. Oh, my SEC work is a little uh, dim Rusty. here. But That's okay. Yeah, but I mean, they, they filed, they did a, they did a 4, 424B uh, back in December, and that was with, I think it was with Jeffries to sell up to $100 million of Class A common stock. Wow. Right? So now what these funds did was they said, okay, I'm going to take down $20 million in it, so I will pre-short 10. Mm -hmm. And then that is why you have the, that huge short interest, yeah. right? Because this wasn't engineered as a short squeeze. It just happened because the funds were pre-shorting because every time you give a company money, you better short their stock because the CEO is going to run through money like poop through a goose. <laughs> so you're going to try and get the money at the best possible price. People think fund managers are the only greedy ones. I've done 200 deals at least where – you give the CEO 5 million bucks, three months later, he's like, I need more money. <laughs> and, uh, oh, really? So you went from living in a one-bedroom apartment to a penthouse, you're driving a new S-class, um, and you're wearing $5,000 suits. Where did that money come from? Yeah, yeah. Shareholders, <laughs> right? God. Look at, you know, Bernard Ebers and his $6,000 uh, shower curtain and, you know, doing part, you know, and spending 250 grand on a party for your wife and paying it with, you know, shareholder money out of the company's treasury, right? These guys, they, they, they lose their minds and, and they think, you know, it's like, it's, it's like some big party for them and they're not fiscally responsible at all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. because once again, it's OPM, right? Other people's money. And that's the problem with the environment we have now that we have companies like Uber, things like that, who lose $4 billion a year. In the old days, that was a bankruptcy. Now we take yeah. it public and sell that crap to investors. Yeah, that's it. It's a, it's a pretty strange model right now, just to see how most public most companies are are negative and like soaring, right? Yeah, yeah. and it's just we're just selling people worthless stock, you know. And God, I hope some of these companies actually do well because people are paying insane amounts of money for this stuff, and you know, I've never seen this end well, unfortunately. 
Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. Is there, I've never is this, seen. Yeah. Is this anything like you've seen? Like, is there anything you can compare this to from what you've seen over the years, or is There's, it its own animal? One of my clients was the very first guy to do email marketing on penny stocks. Wow! And um, he he did like ten deals, and I remember I traded uh, one of the last one deal, and it was a five dollars stock. And I would have market makers calling me and say, I could pay the bid, which was five bucks. And I'd say, how much do you want to buy? He goes, well, what do you got? How much do you want to sell? I'd be like a million shares, done. I'm back for another, wow. right? The liquidity was amazing when email stock promotion, this was like 1997, 98, wow. right? It was crazy. And that's what I saw with this Reddit bank, except you take that and you just multiply it by a million yeah. because I look at dollar volume. Every time I look at a market, I look at the dollar volume the stock traded because my job is to be 30% of it. So GME mm. traded four, $4 billion worth of stock today. So uh, if I was the liquidating trader for the insiders, my client accounts better have at least 1.2 billion in them at the end of the day. Wow. Whoa. Right? My job is to come into that market, take money out, and you do not know that I have been there. <laughs> and that's and what real trading is is it still yeah. being done jj oh yes oh yeah it's amazing and the dollar amounts even like i mean look at this thing it went to 483 dollars a share it closed at 89 or 92 or something like that someone has unloaded a god-awful amount of stock into this retail buying and wow you know, it's, uh, there's something so fishy about this company, and I know people on Reddit are going to hate me, but why is it in bankruptcy? Why was the stock, what, what was the stock before this started? Two bucks? You know, or what yeah. was it? Yeah, oh, back, low. I mean, yeah, back in, at it the beginning like, of 2020, I know it was down in the single digits. You know, it, you know, it was like $25, $20. I mean, this is crazy. Yeah. Right. And it's a company in bankruptcy. So the people who own the stock and have been financing this thing got to blow off all their paper into this buying. It was like they basically got a gift from God, yeah. you know, and they yeah. get to walk away from this thing now. Right. Because you don't see the company doing an offering. Right. Oh, no, yeah. yeah capital, they're not, trying, right? To, right? They're not and, trying to do anything with it. Yeah. Right. So I just. I don't mind, and the, the problem is, through the whole history of the markets, insiders who have been selling behind shareholders' backs, we call that backdooring, have always blamed short sellers and mm. sold from a long position. Um, I wow. mean, Belfort did it really? at Stratton Oakmont. Yes, because yeah. there, was a, there was a short seller called Fiero Brothers, and but Fiero was the back door. Every deal has a back door. You need to sell quietly without people knowing, mm -hmm. right? Otherwise, they'll stop buying. Yeah. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> it's it's it, it's amazing too because nobody's talking about this, JJ. Yeah. I, nobody's I talking talk about, about this. I talk about very unpopular unpopular things and. It's because I, I used to be paid incredible amounts of money to orchestrate short squeezes to take a price up so people could liquidate. And uh, the last time I did that, we unfortunately, 
the, the guys who were running the company were very sophisticated, very well funded, um, and had diplomatic immunity. So uh, what they did right was they sector. actually they took down yeah they took down three clearing firms, right? Oh shit! Yeah. So um, you know I used to have clients that would take down clearing firms just for fun, right? Because that's where the money is, right? Uh, I had I had one client who took down two clearing firms while he was in jail, right? God, um, what? Yeah, there are there are guys I know that have been thrown in jail and will run deals from jail and have a hundred million bucks waiting for them when they come out. <laughs> what the hell, man? Oh right? my god! <laughs> yeah, AJ. So how? <laughs> You know, like the sophisticated people, the people that have been around the markets for their whole lives, the investors themselves, yes. do you, they don't even know this shit, do they? No, no. See, I was, I was raised in the sewers of, of the U.S. stock market. I worked in Vancouver, which was the fraud capital of the world back in the 80s and 90s. And that's, it was the entry point for where if you're a stock promoter, you would have your position in Switzerland or the Cayman Islands or Hong Kong or wherever. And then you would execute through Canada, selling your stock through Canada. It'd be from Switzerland to can through Canada into the United States system. Right. Um, so it was Vancouver's a very beautiful place, but it's a very seedy place. And uh, so we had mob guys going, you know, I've traded for those gentlemen, um, for, you know, the gentleman from Russia, for the gentleman who ride motorcycles. Uh, they're all in these, in these markets. Now they got rid of a lot of that stuff. Um, and now we have, you know, hedge funds that are doing the same thing in smaller stocks. So the price action's a little better. Um, you know, you'll see, uh, you know, ex Goldman guys, you know, running deals, you know, from $5 to 20. And those are nice and things like that. And we don't have, you know, we don't have pirate market makers anymore. Like, you know, I used to rob order flow all the time. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, stealing order flow was a great way to make 20, 30 grand in an afternoon. Um, you know, because what you do is you'd see a stock and you knew that the person who ran the stock wasn't sophisticated and they'd be paying for a promotion, so the stock would be a dollar, and you'd call your guy at night, with, you know, or Citadel or whatever, and say, "Show me bids," and he'd go, "Look, I can pay the bid for a hundred. So you'd sell him a hundred thousand shares at, you know, you pay him three cents. So you sell him a hundred thousand at ninety-seven, and then you hit all the bids out, and then you tell him to get the hell out of the way, and then you slam the bids out, and you take the stock down to sixty, and then you have an anomaly on, you know, somebody that the the deal guys don't know, go and bid them 100,000 at 60 and they'll sell it. So you make 40,000 shares, 40, 40 like cents that. on 100,000 shares. Yeah. It's like 15, 20 minutes work, right? Um, and that's how we used to make money or trade ahead of sell-offs. Or, so it was just all of that stuff was going on and they've cleaned that up a lot now. But the thing is when something like this GME happens, the sophistication of the people who are running these things this isn't like me sitting in a, you know, sitting on three cell phones and right. you know, <laughs> barking yeah. orders out. This is, these are sophisticated people. And I would hate to even say this with this kind of dollar volume and what I've seen in these markets, I wouldn't even be surprised if somebody's laundering money through this thing because, wow. you know, um, and I hate to say it, 
Yeah. Uh, when you trade that kind of money, when it's trading eight, nine billion dollars, you can slip two, three hundred million dollars through that. Nobody will even know. Yeah, it makes total sense, right? Right. It's less than one percent of what's getting traded could could yeah. very well be, and nobody would right. bat an eye because there's so much going in and out right now. Yeah, and and nobody really cares. Like the SEC, I don't know where they are or what they're doing, um, but they should have. Somebody should have. You know. You know, I know it's buyer beware. I know that, but you know, from fifty to four hundred eighty-three, and then back down to ninety-two. There's going to be some Wells notices going out at the end of this. And, um, you know, I, I don't know who owns the stock and, you know, maybe I'm talking out of turn, but there's something very fishy going on uh, with this company. Yeah. Yeah. Talk a little bit about payment for order flow. Oh, cool. We, we, we talked about that a little bit. Uh, I, I had actually a client mentioned to the, to me yesterday that this payment for order flow is actually created by Bernie Madoff. And I was like, wait, what? And then, and then I heard it on podcast last night too, that Howard Lindzen had one of the gentlemen who was in this round table conversation. He said the same thing. And I'm like, okay, uh, today I'm on Wikipedia and I would just love <laughs> you to explain what payment for order flow is. So people understand sure. how Robin hood is actually operated. Okay. Well, all the brokerage firms that trade equities, get paid for their order flow. That is the business model of the U.S. capital markets. And Uncle Bernie, uh, you know, he might have been one of the ones. I've met the man um, at one of the very first security traders conventions I ever went to. And I told Kim the story because I was with a buddy of mine who was at Ray J Raymond James. And we were brand new. And he was like, you know, godfather of the NASDAQ and all of this stuff. And there was him and a couple of guys from Sharp and a couple of guys from Knight. And my buddy, who was just an idiot. So he kind of looks around and he goes, so where are all the trader groupies? Right. And I just, I was like, oh, it's like so embarrassed. You know, so that was my, that was my Bernie. And he just looked at us like, he looked at us like he was going to scrape something off his shoe. You know, <laughs> Bernie, he had now, that look. You what know? did that guy mean by that? Was he, was he being facetious? Like, oh, everybody thinks Bernie's the man back then? No, no, he was like, he was looking for gr girls, right? Because oh. he thought that traders would have groupies like we were watching. Uh, uh, I he see. Just, he had a couple of Jack Daniels in him and yeah. he shot himself off. <laughs> Talk, talk to him like he's his college buddy instead yeah, of, you exactly, know, and, right? and, and Madoff like, wants him to be like, you know, bowing. At yeah, his feet. You know, and I'm like, Mr. Madoff, it's nice to meet you, sir. It's nice to meet you. Yeah. This is before we knew he was a criminal. Of yeah. course, so, of know, course. Like, guy with respect because he's the godfather. Of sure, the sure. And here's not, you know, like, you know, numb nuts over here going, oh, where are all the traders? <laughs> where are the chicks? <laughs> yeah, where are the chicks? And it's like, I'm like, oh, okay, this is a great first impression. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, and uh, so that's my Madoff story. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but but he's the, he's the pioneer of the payment for order flow. He described it as a way for making, I'm reading from Wikipedia here, described it as a way for market makers to outsource the task of finding orders to fulfill and compared yeah. it to retail arrangements in which a supplier pays for the rack on which its products are displayed. The yeah. practice was uninvolved in the Madoff's later fraud scheme, but it, and it's long been controversial. At first, the stock exchange, uh, New York Stock Exchange, opposed it for use, but in February 2009, it sought permission from the U.S. Securities Exchange Commission to adopt the practice for its electronic exchanges. So, help us understand how 
how that works then and why Robin Hood, you know, is. Well, everybody pays, gets paid for their order flow. Right. So the, the business model of a market maker and everybody, nobody knows what a market maker really does. Uh, what a market maker does is they provide liquidity. And what that means is they buy from us and sell to us when nobody else wants to. So if you wanted to buy a stock at $5 and there were no market makers, you would, and you wanted to buy a thousand shares, you might get a hundred shares at five, a hundred at five, 10, a hundred at five fifty. But if you have a market maker, they will short a thousand shares to you at five, which means now they are at economic risk because they've sold something that they don't own. But that is just a function of their job. So they go to the bid to try and buy it back and make the spread. And that's how they make money. And they're doing this millions of times a day. Mm right and that's how they provide liquidity now they have to buy and they have to sell to us but it doesn't say where so they buy and sell where it's economically advantageous to them right just like at the end of the day market makers know that day traders have to get out of their positions right so they'll drop their bids to buy it as cheap as possible Right. Mm -hmm. And you see that in the S&P every night and then the market opens up, you know, it sells off at the end of the day, Globex, it opens up. Right. So they can sell their inventory. Um, so that system needs order flow because you're trading against the order flow. So you have to pay a brokerage firm to get their orders. Right. Mm -hmm. So in the old days, the order, the brokerage firm would be charging you commissions and they're getting paid for your order. So you're getting basically double tapped, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and that's why they wrote that book, I don't know, a hundred years ago, where are all the customer's yachts, where the broker takes the customer and goes, <laughs> that's that broker's yacht, that broker's yacht, that owner of the firm's yacht. He goes, where are the customer's yachts? Well, yeah. The customer doesn't have yachts, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, so that's, that's the business and it's always been like that. And Ever since they went and introduced this stupid PDT rule, they cut all the retail out of the market and now they're trying to get them back in because we need that liquidity. Wow. So they're giving people commission free trading, mm -hmm. fractional shares, you know, just come, 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 you know, this is fun. Right. And, um, <laughs> and, 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 that's all, you, know, you know, and I, I'm not one of those old guys who is mad at people who made money on GameStop. I think if you're 18 years old and you, made a hundred grand last week. Good for you. Right. Yeah. Because I, you know, what's, what's the use of having $70 million when you're 80 years old and with a walker, right? <laughs> let them, let them go and have fun. Right. And I yeah. think that's a great thing. I just don't like it when the street shuts them out, doesn't let them sell. Right. Or yeah. it's just like, say, look, we can't handle the order flow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just why is it halted? Because what it's too busy and we can't handle it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Exactly. <laughs> you know? And and yet and yet, even though we talked about this, you you did mention in the episode we just recorded with Steady Trade that you're you know curious about this storyline that it's you know Reddit and Robin Hood and so on and so forth, but that you know, I, I just find it fascinating that it could be something other than that, which we just touched upon a few minutes ago. So I mean that kind of blows me away that there could be oh. another theory out there that nobody's well, talking about. That's, that's unusually 
I got a sinking feeling um, that, you know, and, and I know I don't want to be a tinfoil hat guy, but I have been at the heart of so many uh, pump and dumps and I have seen, uh, you know, I, I saw, you know, a, like nothing when, when you have 30, $40 billion on the table, they're going to be some people who are really, really well capitalized, yeah. really, really intelligent and meaner than a junkyard dog. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, these are people who, you know, they take down clearing firms. Like they, they wouldn't mind blowing up a space shuttle before breakfast and then having a night, nice light lunch. Right. It, yeah. it, I've seen that part of people the evilness when it comes to massive amounts of money and i know i'm seeing you know the old guys will tell me yeah toughen up buttercup that's the world and i know that's what it is mm -hmm. idiot me i went and grew a conscience but um you know like <laughs> it's if I, I i was just saying you know, the, i've i always you know i remember when i was working on deals before my heart attack i always said look this whole social media thing We'll bring in so much buying that you'll run out of stock to sell. Wow. And last week we saw it and it was yep. the realization of my evil dream. And thank wow. God I was not a part of it. Wow. Um, but it's something that I've envisioned and I was trying to create, but my partners were too short sighted uh, because they mm -hmm. wanted immediate buying. I said, you know what, put a million dollars away. Let's hire some of these guys yeah. who can code and figure out the social media thing because it will bring buying like you wouldn't believe. Uh -huh. And there's eight the million. I checked uh, Wall Street bets this morning. Reddit's uh, thread. I think it was over eight million. Right? Yeah. That are. Users, I mean, not that they're uh, all investors, but users. But, yeah. And that yeah. was yeah. at two million. Then I was at three million. I think I joined when I was at three million, which was like a couple of days. I think before it happened. And then it was at <laughs> six million. Now it's at like over eight million people that are on that thread. If and see, I'm a marketing guy from the old days. Direct mail, right? Like Carl Rove. Right. So here's the thing. If you have 1% of those people take a position. Yeah. Right. 1% yep. of 8 million people and all they need to do is buy a couple hundred bucks worth of worthless stock. That kind of liquidity. I mean, you could, it's like an Olympic sized swimming pool of money. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and I know <laughs> that there are guys in Vancouver right now and thank God they don't have my phone number. <laughs> because they're they're call they're like where's JJ? Because he said that this would happen. How do we do it now? That's right. That's right. right? And uh, it's I just hope that this was just an accident. But I know that you can't put that much buying into a stock and have it go down that much. Um, you can't. There is no there is no place in the world big enough to hide that short position. That is yeah. selling from a long position. Somebody is diluting or selling into that buying. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's exciting stuff. And I think like, I don't know, in 10, 20 years, like more and more will come out. And I'm, I'm excited to see what, what, if it ever does. But I think they'll, you know, something will slip eventually about who is selling well, major positions. Know, and Like I was telling Kim earlier, in 2001, I trained a group of guys. And I taught them everything they knew, everything I knew. And um, I was trained by people. My clients are like characters out of a John Wick movie. Okay. Um, so, it, I mean, I've been trained by guys who are ex-Goldman. I've been trained by guys 
who are abject criminals uh, and everywhere in between. So I took that knowledge and I trained this group of guys that I was working with. And it was like I unleashed a, viler, a virus in the OTC markets. Uh, they went through and stole about six or $7 billion. And uh, they did a bunch of deals and just sold hundreds and hundreds of million shares of worthless stock into buying, and which actually caused a lot of the rule changes. And that's why OTC markets volume dried up because these guys made so much money and then they just disappeared into the mist. Nobody's been able to figure out who did it. I know who did it because I could see the level two. I could see the players. I could see the order flow. I could see the way. I mean, it's everything I taught them. I was watching in front of me. So, uh, you know, I just fingerprints. Those fingerprints are on this now. Well, I'm looking at this thing and you know, if they could have done it, they would have, they, they have that personality. So I know the type, it might not be those guys and I, God, I hope it isn't. Um, you know, but it's, you know, cause there's sophisticated people around. It's just not people I know, yeah. but there is something so fishy about the way this happened. Um, and I just, I don't like when regular people get taken advantage of um, yeah. when it's just blatant. Right. Yeah. For uh, sure. A couple of weeks ago when this, or when this thing started, I said, Jesus, this is going to be the crime of the century. And, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of shaping out to be that way. And, and, and let's see, you know, if the SEC, the FBI, uh, the Justice Department, let's see how good they are. Because yeah. they should be tearing <laughs> this thing apart. And you know what? Well, it this- took Frank Casey 10 years with Harry Markopoulos and Neil Cello to get anybody to oh. listen about Bernie Madoff. So I don't have that much confidence <laughs> in their you abilities. Know, I mean, you know, it's just the thing is, uh, it, 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 this one's really blatant, guys. I mean, come on, get off, get off your files. Yeah, go dig around. Pull, pull the transfer agent file. See who's been issued mm. stock. Mm. You know, pull the DC. You know, they they have something called uh, depository trust company. They have mm-hmm. sheets that get published every day that show where the stock is in the system, who owns it, um, all of that stuff. And they should pull the volume concentration reports. Maybe even. You know, go look at all the trading records. Where did all the size come wow. from? Wow. Right? That's it's yeah. all I mean, it's all there. There's a paper Hey SEC, account. JJ just gave you the path to success. <laughs> so you know, somebody like, pay attention and write down these know, steps. <laughs> like I'm looking at this and I honestly a couple of guys and I were talking and I'm like, Yeah, and we got a Wells notice and these guys are printing paper like it's going out of business. I, I've heard of Wells notice, but tell just I'm not sure I completely could describe it. So explain a, a Wells, a Wells notice. notice. A Wells notice is what the SEC sends you when they uh, when they're informing you that they're going to sue you for an infraction. Wow, gotcha, right. gotcha. Right. And, and are you like, saying there have been some uh, already sent by them? No, no, no. I'm just saying oh, that okay. like, we got them right for what <laughs> yeah, we right. did. Yeah. And it was like running a lemonade <laughs> yeah. stand compared right. to this. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, exactly. it's like yeah, I made twenty bucks. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and it's like, oh my billions. God. Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the billions are going by on the screen and these guys are, they're just whistling Dixie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, All right. So to those yeah. who are, you know, maybe thinking about like, like trader or beginner trader or sophisticated trader or person who's even thinking about trading, what is the most important piece of information 
simple, simple non-jargon advice that you have for them all? Learn the business because the business reflects the business creates the chart and the chart is reflecting the business transactions that are taking place. It's like a sales chart or anything like that. If you learn the business and the other thing is take your time, don't be in a rush. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, unfortunately, everybody sees people, Oh, look, I bought this and, I, and then it went up and now I've got paid for my house and you know, I've got a $50,000 watch on and all of that stuff. Just take that with a grain of salt. It's going to take some time. It's a skill. Investing mm -hmm. is a skill. Trading is definitely a skill. Do not think that trading is passive income mm -hmm. because it is the most work you will ever do as a retail trader because the difference between retail and institutional trading is in retail, you can't cheat. So it makes it a million times harder, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you can't cheat. See, if I had a bad trade on the desk, like sometimes we trade our own account, right? Yeah. And if I took a $10,000 loss, I could call up one of my market makers and, hey, go, hey, can you put up 10 for me? Right? And he'd eat my loss. Wow. Because I made him 25 grand that day. Yeah. Right? You know, um, <laughs> you know, things were different. I mean, uh, if the compliance officer wouldn't sign something, you know, his sister just, just by some miracle made five grand this morning in her account. Um, you know, uh, yeah. things like that, uh, those sorts of things, um, you know, of course they don't happen now. You can't bribe compliance officers like you used to in the old days, but you know, all of that sort of thing, we bent the rules, found ways around it, all of that stuff. We had capital, we had, you know, all sorts of things that doesn't make it fair when you're retail trading, you're in, you know, you got an account, five grand, 10 grand, whatever it is. And so protect that capital, learn mm. that it's a, it's, it's a marathon, right? And, yeah. and don't be hard on yourself, right? Mm. Uh, because you're in an industry where people are actually basically trading against some of the most intelligent, most well-capitalized, evil people you will ever meet in your life, right? And you, we look at you as food, mm. right? So just take your time and don't be, don't push it. You know, mm -hmm. it's better to learn and, and learn how things work and then start small and learn how to trade. That's why I love the micro e mini futures. Cause if you have a bad day, like today I was trading, I traded like crap. I lost 30 bucks because I knew I wasn't on my game. Yeah. So I just traded the micro, you know, and I was, I wasn't trading well, I wasn't paying attention and I lost 35 bucks. Yeah. Right which yeah. is not the end of the world. No. Right? No. And and don't get sucked into this shorting OTC pumps and things like no. that. You know, it's just trade a real market. Like the micro is great at 78 cents round trip and you know $50 or $100 day trade margin or whatever it is. Right? So everybody everybody could trade it and you know what if you have a bad day you lose $30, right? Yeah. And it's like trading with training wheels, right? Yeah. Uh, learn your craft because it is like brain surgery. And if you don't know basic anatomy, you're going to be cutting at the ankles instead of at the head. And um, just take your time. Uh, don't be hard on yourself because it, it's not easy. And the deck, you know, basically you're out, it's trench warfare. Everybody else has ICBM missiles and you're out there with a plastic spoon. 
Um, <laughs> that's your weapon, right? And so you've got to hit and run, steal when you can sometimes, and learn the business. Yeah. You know, and where do they where do they learn the business though, JJ? Tell tell us about how <laughs> how you help educate them so people know where they can get that education because how are they going to learn the business? Most people don't really understand the business is what you've taught me. And it's the weirdest business in the world because it's the only business where you can do things like there's sometimes there's real buying and sometimes there's fake buying because sometimes we buy a market to take it up to sell what we bought lower. Right. And you can't do that in a normal business. Right. So I teach this thing. I teach this at uh, microefutures.com. And what I like to do is we like to keep the price low so people have access to the knowledge, you know, and uh, I treat it like it's not like a trading room where people are posting their trades and bragging and all of that stuff. It's an educational format. And we've got guys in there who have traded 10,000 mini contracts and made 50 million a month. And then we've got somebody in there with a $300, um, you know, account. And it's a very collaborative environment. Um, so we, you know, it, it, we have guys in there who used to like build missile systems for Lockheed. Wow. Uh, and there are, you know, brain guys and I can go to them and go, hey, you know, if I can't figure something out or the math, they've got it. Right. Yeah. So yeah. And, and we're very helpful. And because we realized that, you know, it's just. Uh, sending people out there, oh, you you know, it's so easy. It's like shopping at Amazon. You just click and you buy something. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, like the, I, I never really did the whole online shopping thing. Last year I bought somebody a Christmas present and I click, click, and they got it the next day. And I was like, oh, my God, it was so easy to spend that money. I didn't even see it going out of my hands. Right? Exactly. That's, That's the so business right. model. That's <laughs> the business the model. Days, yeah, in the old days, you call your broker and you go, yeah, I want to do this. And he'd be like, um, what are you, high? Right? <laughs> right? So you had that checks and balances, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, it's so uh, true. You know, if you had a decent broker, he'd go, like, what? the hell's wrong with you right oh my God. and they wouldn't take the order because they knew you were going to blow yourself up right <laughs> so you had those you had those uh, checks and balances now you just click 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 yeah i'm in a trade yeah right? um, yeah that's that's my biggest concern with the i mean like the we, we are always refer to it as like robin hood but i mean there's every i feel like every brokerage out there the way yeah. they're presenting their apps is basically like a just like a game and that's, yeah. that makes me nervous for that, people who are just getting into it. That, that's marketing, right? And, yeah. you know, for the, for the people who are new to this, remember that this is a market. Mm-hmm. Just like Walmart, just like anything yeah. else. We yeah. bring you in to sell you something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then when you're tired of it, we'll buy it back cheaper. Yeah. Right? And we'll keep doing this. So at the end of the day, we have all your stock and all your cash. <laughs> right and i didn't say that victor niederhofer says that and he you know he used to trade for soros um you know it's love victor love victor oh, niederhofer. i've never i've never met him but oh uh, jj really <laughs> really he's he's amazing he's amazing oh. i got to interview him actually for uh stocks to trade uh you know not that long ago it was just it was just me and victor and i got to meet victor a really long time ago through his wife actually susan nita hoffer she was active with conscious capitalism and yes at the beginning when john mackey was kind of launching conscious capitalism chip Connolly actually was like you when he heard kind of 
where I was coming from with capitalism. He was like, you have to meet Susan. And then I met Susan. And then I, she introduced me, of course, to Victor. And Victor, I, I love Ayn Rand and I love uh, libertarianism. And Victor used to run the, uh, it was like a Rand libertarian group uh, once oh. a month in New York City. And uh, he used to, you know, kind of hold court with, uh, God, what's the other guy's name? Epstein. He's a, he's a writer for Barron's, I think. Oh, uh, Gene okay. Epstein. So anyway, Victor, man, talk about a brilliant mind. I, I would oh walk away God. conversations with him. My head felt like it was <laughs> grown five you know, sizes. <laughs> one of the most influential and favorite chapters of a book is education of a speculator in the first chapter of the old man and the yen. You know, when he's, he's, I think he's short US dollar, dollar yen, and he's short like $400 million is his position, you know, and he's just sweating and he hasn't slept in three days, right? And, um, you know, the funniest thing was his CD player was broken and he wouldn't buy a new CD player. Because he, I mean, he's trading a four hundred million dollar position, and he's too cheap to buy a new CD player, right? Because he's down in the trade; and he doesn't want to spend the fifty bucks. And I love that. That's yes. old school. Old I was school. By that, right? I would old love to. Old school. I, I yeah. You, you know, Victor Niederhofer fan. Well, happy to do an introduction if you want. I mean, he's still he's at New York, Connecticut, I think, still. So, but he he is. I mean, he's a piece of work. He is a piece of work. I mean, besides being a genius, you know, he's just he's just uh, eclectic in his experience of the world. His lens, the lens he looks out of, oh, is yeah. not the lens that most people look out of. Yeah. And I just find that to be, he's so contrarian. You know, I remember he talked about like how he would look at the cigarette butts on the sidewalk cracks and that would tell him whether people were more stressed or not. And that would like, exactly. He, yeah. you know, he'd see these like little yes. small clues that would yeah. lend, lend to him to specifically yeah. looking at trades a certain way yeah. like that kind of eye is just it's just it's genius i mean yeah. i think i think man you know, and, and i got that from him is where you know you start talking to a market when you're trading it you know like how he would talk to the market <laughs> like and when i'm teaching the guys in my room are like you know they'll find out they're like yeah jj is talking to the market what's he doing i'm like oh, i got that from victor niederhofer it works for him all trade, right yeah it's I think just, I think uh, it works. Honestly, you know? <laughs> there's a lot of times where you like, you know, you have to call out what you see, and then you just like start talking to me, like, "What are come you on, doing today?" On. Come on, come on. You know, get exactly. down. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, JJ, thank you. You gave us way yeah. more time than I could have ever asked for. So thank you for being so generous today and coming Gosh, on my my yeah. small little podcast, so which valuable. Lucas and I have only started recently. So you are like. Are, are famous. It's like having the Pope show up for us. <laughs> <laughs> the Pope yeah. in his black, in his black hood. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. I just, uh, I, I just, you know, the, the, the reason I do that is I, the old days, my, my thing was with my clients that, you know, your secrets will die with me. But, uh, and the thing was, once I started mating retail traders, I just, I was like, oh my God, somebody's got to tell them what's going on. Someone's um, got to help and, them. You know, it's just, yeah. uh, you know, it's your redemption tour. It's your redemption tour, as you said, right? And uh, and we're lucky that on your redemption tour, you were willing to do a little stop at our little small hole in the wall bar and grill. I, all the time, <laughs> listen, you know, 
it uh, it doesn't matter, big, small, whatever, right? I just got to redeem these sins. You know? <laughs> well, I think I think you've, you've done that already with all that you've shared with your people in the room, and they're lucky. Yeah. So again, if ever, anybody wants to uh, learn from JJ, which I highly uh, advise you do, uh, please visit his room, microfuture.com. And what was the other website? Besides podcast, The Confessions of a Market Maker, which JJ is a co-host with Ray. Um, but what was the other website? VWAP Trader One at Twitter. They can DM you there. And was there another yeah. website besides microfuture.com? Uh, uh, well, microfutures has, has got sort of all of our stuff on there. We've got an equities room and futures. Okay. And so we, we try and help everybody. We've got uh, one of my old guys um, who does option stuff. Uh, he's another guy who's got a bad heart. So all the old traders have that, you know, we're, 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 held, we're held together by duct tape. You, you, know? you up and spit you out. But yeah, you guys so lived. You lived to tell, which not everybody yeah. does live, JJ. You know, we know that. Very, uh, Some people you know. overdose and, you know, no, just can't. You know, like uh, Chris and I say, we're hard to kill. Yeah. <laughs> exactly exactly but That's you're fun. doing good things helping to educate all of us uh and so. uh it's it's incredible that you're so generous with this knowledge and we need to know i need to know as a baby trader i mean lucas is you know been at it for a while but i have a lot to learn and i'll tell you since talking to you i'm like yeah. proceeding even more carefully <laughs> you know it's it's weird on the other side i thought everybody knew this and i just thought i had a head full of useless information and um you know and i got out there and i was like wow nobody teaches this i'm like what? you know and then you think about it shouldn't they be teaching people this in school Right, yeah, because so, they're going to invest when they're older, like yep. they yep. a little bit. Because in Canada, yep. they teach us about you know the fur trade. That's really going to help. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's yeah. it's scary. The things that we're still teaching in school and the things we're not. It's yeah. just yeah. very counterintuitive. It really yeah. doesn't make any sense. So, all right, JJ, thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you. Uh, maybe you. one day I can be lucky enough uh, to have you back. And, uh, <laughs> anytime, just, anytime. Just, just thank you for help. I'm sure we're going to have a slew, probably be our most popular episode, Lucas. What do you think? I was going to say, anytime, anytime JJ goes on a podcast, it becomes it's the like, most popular <laughs> podcast. Right through the roof. I think it's 27,000 views of your Stocks to Trade wow. interview. That really? is, is that 26, 27,000 views now, JJ. Holy yeah. Cow. Yeah, wow. I'll be happy for like, you know, a quarter of that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, anytime you guys need help, I'm here. Kim, okay, you thank you. So, thank yeah. you. You're the man. Well, love you, JJ, so much. Much aloha. Right back to you. Thank you guys for watching us here on the Wall Street Coach Podcast. We'll see you next time. This has been the Wall Street Coach Podcast with Kim Ann Curtin. You can find out more about her and her team online at thewallstreetcoach.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes. Thank you for listening.